Good morning, brothers and sisters. So excited to, to be with you guys this beautiful Sunday morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris Lamoa, and me and my wife lead the team ministry out here in Riverside. And so grateful to have this opportunity to be able to, to read the Bible with you guys. Um, but you know, Scott last week kicked off the series. We started as a whole church called Together. And being that we're, you know, stepping into this new year and we hire new staff and, and how we can finally put 2020 behind us, I believe God is is calling our whole church to come together and move forward in Him. Amen. But the text that we're going to be studying out uh, together is in Genesis chapter 26. So you guys can turn there with me and you guys can put your finger on it. Um, we're going to be kind of sticking there for really the majority of the of our time here. And the topic that we're going to be discussing specifically is confidence. Okay, so think about the word confidence just for a little bit. And hence, hence the, the title of my message is, is Together in Confidence. But just think about it for a little bit. All of us want confidence, right? And in one way, shape, or form, we, we, we pursue it. And, and as I was kind of thinking this uh, about this concept of, of confidence this week, I couldn't help but think about you know the very first time I went snowboarding. If you guys ever been snowboarding before, you guys can attest. When you first learn, it is extremely hard. So I remember the first time I went snowboarding and my confidence was so low coming into it, particularly because, you know, when, when we got there, I saw these six-year-olds just shredding down the, the slopes with their, all their cool gear, doing cool tricks and stuff. And, like, I look at myself, and I barely could even even stand on my snowboard when I first started. And I was like, man, like, how am I going to do this? And it's just really difficult. And so I remember, like, kind of... I kept falling, kept falling, and I came to a point where I was like, "All right, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buck up. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go down this mountain. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna just, just, just do it." So I, I just, I did it. I, I started going down, and I had no idea what I was doing, but I was, I was doing it. And in my head, I was like, "Okay." So my, I saw my confidence starting to build, and then it just started going really, really fast, which, which makes sense. So, but I was going really fast, and I was like, "Okay, I, I gotta, I gotta stop," but. I didn't really master the art of stopping on a, on a snowboard just yet. So I started freaking out. I was like, okay, I got to do this. So you got to kind of dig your heels um, or lean back on your heels so you can stop. So I did that, but I just didn't do it good enough for some reason. So I ended up, my snowboard got got stuck on the, or got caught on the snow. And I literally flip over like in the air, slow motion. And I land on my back really, really hard. And the worst part, it, worst part of it was, you know, the, the, the ski lift was right next to me. So all the people going up the mountain were just watching me eat it. And right when it hit the ground, I remember hearing the whole, all, like, all the people saying, ooh. <laughs> so I'm just laying on my back like, oh, my, all my confidence just went straight out the window. Um, so I don't know if you guys have a confidence story just like that. But we all want confidence, right? And, and, and you know, in all silliness and the, the story aside, I think there's... There's a godly confidence I believe God wants every single one of us to have as we step into this new year together. And not a worldly confidence that is about us knowing everything, or, but a confidence that is, that is built in Christ, that is built in God. And my goal today is to help answer this question, what does it look like to be confident in God? What does it look like practically to be confident in God? Because I feel like I've heard the terminology like, we got to be confident in God. But what does that look like for us right now? How do, how do we be confident? So it is my hope and my prayer that the scriptures that we read today not only convicts you, but most importantly leads you to, to step into this new year with total confidence in God. Amen. You guys with me? So before we dive in, let's bow our heads forward to pray. 
Father God, thank you so much for this time and this, this space to be able to worship you. Um, I pray that as we dig into your word today, that you can open up our hearts. God, I pray that you can speak through me. Help me say what you want me to say, God. Help me be led by your spirit. Um, but thank you again for today. In your son's holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, again, Genesis chapter 26. If you haven't turned there already, you can turn there now. Genesis chapter 26. And in this chapter, we come across a man, a man named Isaac. And we all know Isaac mostly because his, his famous dad, Abraham. You know, like the song, Father Abraham, as many sons. Like that, Abraham. Okay, that's his dad. Um, but we actually don't know that much about Isaac in comparison to his dad, Abraham. Um, but we can still learn a lot about Isaac, especially when it comes to this concept of, 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 of confidence uh, in, this, in this chapter that we're going to read together. So let's, let's pick up in verse 1. Let's pick up in verse 1. This is what it says, Genesis chapter 26, verse 1. It says, Now there was a famine in the land, beside the previous famine in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. So we learn that there's, there's a famine in this land, in the land of the Philistines. And um, Isaac, being a normal human being, was probably thinking, Okay, if there's a famine in this land, where do I need to go where there's not a famine? Okay? So let's pick up in, in verse 2. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to stay, to live. Stay in this land for a while and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands. And through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. So, so Isaac is thinking about going to Egypt because there's a famine in the land. But then the scriptures teach us that God appeared to Isaac and said, Don't go to Egypt. Don't go. And not only did God appear to to Isaac, but look at how many times he reassured him that everything was going to be okay if you stay here. God says, I will be with you. I will bless you. I will give you and your descendants these lands. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars. Right? How much, how much more proof does, does Isaac need that, okay, I need to stay here and God's going to take care of us despite this famine going on. Not only did God appear to him, but he, he, he laid out all these promises for Isaac. But let's pick up in verse 7. Let's see what Isaac does. In verse 7 it says, When the men of that place asked him about his wife, his wife's name is Rebecca, he said, She is my sister, because he was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebecca, because she is beautiful. So what does Isaac do right after he has his probably mountaintop experience with God when God appears to him? What does Isaac do? Isaac almost instinctively, instinctively like resorts to, to lying to, to save his own skin. He forgets this amazing promise that God just gave him and his descendants. And so the, the words of God somehow got lost between the time when God gave it to him and now he's in the situation with these Philistines. And the result of him forgetting is he, instead of standing for righteousness and confidence, he he lies. You know, my, my first point for us this morning is remember God's word. Remember God's word. Because I can be so quick to, to look at Isaac in this situation and be, 
and be like, man, like why would he why would he do that? He just talked to God. God appeared to him and talked to him. But in reality, I can I'm not that that different from him. You know, I, I can read my Bible and be so convicted by the Word of God and God's promises and then I can hear an awesome sermon or I'm, I'm convicted by you know a lesson that I watch on YouTube or a podcast and but right when the, the rubber hits the road and God tests to see if I'm really going to stand for my convictions and confidence, I like forget everything that I just learned or everything that I just read about. And church, that the first step of truly being confident in God is, is holding steadfast to his word and his promises. And I get it. Like, I know, I know that sounds so elementary. Like, of course, the Bible is important. Like, that's why... That's why many of you guys are here right now watching, because you want to, you want to hear the word of God. But honestly, ask yourself right now, like, is, is this book, is this book right here where you draw your confidence from? And the promises listed out in this book, is this where you draw your confidence from? Because we can, we can draw our confidence from a lot of different places, can't we? I know for me, I'm not going to lie, I get a lot of confidence from my wife. I love it, I love it when she compliments me. I just, when she... Tell me, hey, like that outfit looks cute, or like you, I love your hair today. Like, I feel good about myself. I feel like I'm on top of the world. But then, if she forgets for some reason, I'm sure not on purpose, but you know we're busy, or, or we didn't see each other that day for for a long time, and I don't get as many compliments. I can feel myself feeling insecure and have these thoughts of like, oh man, like I'm ugly, or I'm not looking cute because Lois didn't say anything. And obviously, that's that's so wrong, but that's where my headspace can be. Because I can put so much so much confidence in there. I know that's kind of like a, a silly little thing, but where, where do you where do you guys put your confidence in, or what do you guys put your confidence in, or who do you put your confidence in? Is it is it is it your job? Is it money? Like how much money you have in your savings account? Is it you know I don't know comfortability or your family, your spouse like me, or or relationships? And and again, I'm not saying that these things are are wrong. Like all these things are super important, crucial for our lives here on earth but I guess what I'm saying is just these things these things are temporary like they won't give us the confidence that we're, we're really longing for what we're really looking for confidence that will last because the Bible and the promises listed in this book like these things will last like these things are forever if you don't believe me in Isaiah chapter chapter 40 verse 8 it says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Matthew 24, verse 35, Jesus says this, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. If you need confidence that will never fade, confidence that will last, the Bible is where you're going to get it. Because think about it, our jobs are temporary. Relationships come and go. Money really never satisfies us, no matter how, how bad we want it to satisfy us and to give us confidence. It doesn't. Our spouses make mistakes. Lois knows, oh man, I make mistakes almost every day. These things that we can put our confidence in church are, are so temporary. But God's promises, God's word is forever. And if everything is taken away from you, and all you have is the stuff listed in this book, you're set. You're good to go. 
Do you believe that? Do you draw your confidence from this? Because let's look back at, at what God said to Isaac and his word to him, his promises. God says, I will be with you. I will bless you. I will give you and your descendants these lands. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars. Through your offspring, the nations will be blessed. Like Isaac had so much more to be confident in just on God's word, on his promises. God was so clear to him. He's going to bless you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to lead you to where you want to go. And not only you, but your descendants. But Isaac forgot. Just like we can forget. And church, I want to I challenge us this morning to remember God's word. Remember his promises. And to the Christians who are listening right now, who are watching at home. If you find yourself wavering in your confidence, I want to challenge you to read this book. Reread the promises that you love. Some of your favorite scriptures. Read them. Meditate on them. Pray about them. Draw confidence from them. And if you're, if you're listening for the first time or you're trying to work out your relationship with God, open this book. Read it. And if you need help, please reach out to me. Reach out to the person who gave you this link. DM us on Facebook or on Instagram. Let us know. Help us get you connected so we can sit down and read. How we can draw confidence from this. You guys with me? Let's remember God's promises. But let's move on. Let's move on. And for the sake of time, we're going we're gonna to skip a couple of verses. So in, in verse 8 to 11, just to recap, Abimelech ends up uh, finding out that, lo and behold, Rebecca is actually uh, Isaac's wife. And uh, thankfully, by God's grace, Isaac and Rebecca kind of come out of that whole situation unscathed they're good to go but now let's pick up in verse 12 pick up in verse 12 the second point for us this morning is move and dig move and dig and i'm going to explain more let's pick up in verse 12 this is what it says isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the lord blessed him the man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy he had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. So we, we, we see that God continues to bless Isaac. And so much so that the Philistines actually became, you know, start to get jealous of this dude. So what they do in response is they, they start to fill up. Uh, his his father's wells and wells were so crucial in that day but wells pretty much dictated someone's survival they, they didn't have plumbing back in the day like these wells are what stored the water so if you don't have water you're not going to survive and they start filling up these wells but not only that but Isaac started to get so powerful that king Abimelech end up ends up kicking him out of that land he says move away for us you become too powerful for us so now Isaac being the provider of this household needs to find somewhere else to, to dig up these wells to survive. So let's pick up in verse 19. We're going to skip down to there. Verse 19. This is what Isaac does in response to all that stuff. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and said, The water is ours. So he named the well Asek. Asek means dispute or contention. Because they disputed with him. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also. 
So he's named it Sitna, and Sitna means opposition. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one called over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. So over and over again, Isaac is faced with this op- opposition, contention, and dispute at, at no fault of his own, really. So now he got kicked out of Gerar, and he's trying to dig up these wells so that he could have water for him and his family. But every time he tries to dig up a well, someone else tries to steal it and steal it from him and quarrel. But look at look at how Isaac reacts in the midst of all this. After roadblock after roadblock, what does he do? Isaac kept moving, and he kept digging. He said, "Okay, someone's at this well. Amen. Let's move on. Let's go to the next one. Oh snap! Someone's at this one. All right, let's move on and keep going." And there was a, a confidence that he had in God that, that pushed him to move forward even when things did not go to plan. When things don't go to plan in your life, church, how do you usually react? You know, this uh, a week and a half ago, uh, well, if you don't know, I, I just started full-time here at this church by the grace of God. I'm a full-time minister for the teens, for the youth. And I started in January 1st. And I remember that week I was so hyped up. I was like, hey, let's start this. I'm going to go and I'm going to minister to people. It's such an, such an amazing opportunity. And I think one or two days into it, I, I go out to my car, a vehicle where I can use, that I need to go and minister to people. I go out to my car and it's gone. And this car was in my assigned parking spot at my apartment. Just, just gone. So long story short, someone, someone stole it. And I remember like reacting like, this is the worst. I remember going into my apartment and I was, I started tearing up a little bit. I, I like, I just started tearing up. It was just discouraging. I was hurt. I was angry and I just started to sulk. I was just sitting. I was like, this is the worst. Like, whatever. You know, I guess this is the start of my new year. That, getting my car stolen was not part of the plan. And that happens sometimes in our lives, right? Things just don't, don't go to plan. Just like Isaac, like Isaac didn't plan for these wells to get taken by these other people. But what convicts me about Isaac in this situation is he he did the exact opposite of me. I sulked, I just thought that was the end. But you see, Isaac he acknowledges the setback. Like he that he named each well dispute and contention, a sec. And and uh he named it a sec and um what was it, Sitna, which means opposition. He he, he acknowledged these setbacks, but he didn't allow it to pull him back. But he goes on and moves and digs some more. You know, church, part of the confidence God wants us to have is to recognize the trials God puts before us. And instead of allowing them to hold us back, it should fuel us to move forward. Like, because guys, they could have totally given up on those wells when those people started quarreling over them. But he looked at the situation in front of him and figured, okay, God doesn't want me here for some reason, so let's move and dig. And sometimes, I don't know why, maybe it's just in our human nature, when, when something doesn't go to plan, we automatically think that God is punishing us for some reason or, or God is after us for some reason. But that is so far from the truth. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. God works for the good of those who love him. 
And sometimes we can't see what God is doing in a certain situation, or sometimes we can't see how things are going are gonna to work out, or God's got a bigger plan, but just because we can't see, or just because we don't understand, doesn't mean what God is doing isn't good. Because think about it, Isaac would have never gotten to that last well that he found if it wasn't for those first two failures. Church, the setbacks you are facing right now are actually stepping stones to something good. I'm going to say that one more time. Church, the setbacks you are facing right now are actually stepping stones to something good. You see, I think the question is, are you going to shrink back or are you going to move and dig? What are some of your wells in your life that you feel like are getting filled up? The roadblocks in your life that are destroying your confidence in God. What are, what are they? You now, this reminds me of a, a powerful quote by a wise fish named Dory that we all know and love. And she said, when life gets you down, you know what you got to do. Just keep swimming. You know, church, God, confidence isn't just something that we will have magically, unfortunately. It's a decision that we choose to make. Right? In the face of contention, in the face of dispute, of setback, of things not going to plan, we need to choose to move forward and persevere even when things get difficult and trust that God is working for our good. And so if there's a situation in your life right now that you feel like has no end, something that you feel like you can't overcome, just remember. Remember that this is temporary and this setback is not your forever. Remember, God is working for your good. Just keep moving. Keep digging. Acknowledge the setback and use it as a stepping stone to get to where God wants you to be. Move and dig. That's where confidence is. Move, dig, persevere. Amen, church? Let's close out with this point. Point number three is be different. Be different. So now let's pick up in verse 26. Skip down to there. So Isaac found this well and he ends up um, making an altar for the Lord there. And in verse 26, this is what it says. Meanwhile, Abimelech had come to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, his personal advisor, and Fickle, the commander of his forces. Isaac asked them, why have you come to me since you were hostile to me and sent me away? So Abimelech and his, his boys come and, and approach Isaac. And Isaac is like, what do you guys want from me now? You guys sent me away. You guys had this whole, made me go through all this stuff with these wells. Like, what do you want from me now? Let's pick up in verse 28. This is what they say to him. They answered, we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. So we said, there ought to be a sworn agreement between us, between us and you. Let us make a treaty with you. That you will do us no harm just as we did not harm you but always treated you well and sent you away peacefully. And now you are blessed by the Lord. And Isaac then made a feast for them and they ate and drank. So Abimelech comes before Isaac. And despite how Abimelech really made Isaac's life really, really hard and difficult. Abimelech comes to him and he wanted to make this peace with him. But you see, Abimelech saw something, though, about Isaac's life. Like, why would he come and, and, and try to make peace with Isaac? 
See, Abimelech saw the life of Isaac and knew that there was just something different about him. How he reacted every, every time Abimelech threw something at him. A cog in, in the machinery of Isaac's life. Isaac stood out amongst the rest of the world and Abimelech noticed that. Abimelech, a, a pagan king, a, a king, a pagan king who didn't believe in the God that we serve, came to the conclusion because he saw Isaac's life and saw how God blessed him, he came to the conclusion of man. Isaac, God is clearly with you. Isn't that awesome? That just the way that Isaac lived his life stood out to this king, right? Isaac's patience, endurance, and confidence in God, despite how Abimelech made it so difficult difficult for him, Abimelech was just saw something different that caught his attention. Isaac stood out from the crowd and he operated at a completely different wavelength, and people noticed. Shouldn't this be the same for Christians? You know, Christians should be so different from the world that the only reaction that they could have to the way that we live our lives is the one that Abimelech had. Man, God is clearly with you. Do people know that God is clearly with you? Do people see the, see the way you live your life and say, man, there's something different about this person. There's something different, something special about this person that I really want to have, that I really want to imitate. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Church, we are chosen. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're, we're different. People should see us and want what we have. And there's a confidence that should come from this. That we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. That we serve King Jesus. And when we understand that, that God has chosen us and has set us apart, there's a, a, the natural reaction we should have is to kind of walk with our, with our chins a little higher. To be confident that that God shows us that we're living a life with so much more purpose and meaning. You know, I'm thinking about the scriptures when it says Roman, in Romans chapter 8, when it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And even in, in that same chapter, it says, in Christ, we are more than conquerors. Doesn't that make you just feel like, all right, like, there's a confidence that should be built up inside of you. The world needs Christians who are different. Just like Isaac. And especially in this, this time of, of life that we're living in. Especially in our country. And, and I know that this is a little bit late, but I do want to comment on it a little. You know, last week's events at our, at our nation's capital will go down in the history books. And there was a lot of things that made me sad about the whole thing. But one of them that I want to bring up is this. There were many flags being raised that day, including this one. You know, Jesus 2020, at first, I'm like, amen, Jesus 2020, we got we to gotta focus on him, that Jesus is our Lord, and we got to remember Jesus in the midst of this craziness. But, you know, this, this flag was, was up 
during the, the storming of our nation's capital. So apparently there, there are professing Christians that, that participated in this takeover. And somehow violence and, and rioting is, is just becoming the norm to even people who claim to follow Jesus. And I'm not saying just this event. I'm even thinking about you know the riots and the looting that happened early in 2020 when, when cities were being ransacked and, and grocery stores and small businesses were, um, were being defiled and vandalized. And you, you look at these events and they're horrific in themselves. But to now associate now to associate Jesus' name with these things? Like isn't, isn't Jesus' name supposed to mean more? And, and right now, I really want to talk to anyone joining us for the first time and, and are learning about God and just are just trying to scratch the surface right now about the Bible. And, or actually, just even Christians who are struggling in their faith because of these different events. I, I want to let you know that Violence is not what Jesus represents. Violence is not what our church, who is under the leadership and kingship of Jesus, that is not what we represent. Jesus said it himself in Matthew 26, verse 52 to Peter, right before he was going to get crucified and taken away. In verse 52, he says this to Peter, Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Guys, violence is not the answer. The world needs Christians who are different, who live out the scriptures and our lives the way that God intended it. I love this scripture in Matthew 5 and hopes to kind of give us a little more direction and, and where our mindset should be in the midst of this craziness. Matthew 5 or 16, it says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Our light is meant to shine to give glory to our Father. Not to our opinions, not to give glory to ourselves, not to give glory to a leader, not to give glory to a flag. To give glory to our Father. And by our good deeds, by the way we love by the way we give, by the way we sacrifice, by the way we lay our lives down for those around us, by the way that we empathize to people who are hurting. That's how we can truly be different. And that's how people come to Jesus and see Jesus in the way that Jesus was supposed to be seen. Because at the end of the day, church, we just live in a world full of, full of hurting people. And the, the sources of that hurt may be different, but we are all hurting nonetheless. No matter if you're a Democrat, Republican, right, left, whatever. We're all just hurting people. And, and being a light isn't about forcing Jesus down people's throats or, or sharing with a hundred pe- random people uh, on the street or having picket signs on the side of the road saying you're going to hell. No, sharing your faith is supposed to be natural and authentic and and spirit-led, that people should just look at your life and want what you have. Just like Isaac. Like Isaac was just a faithful man who had his moments, just like many of us, but at the end of the day, just, just trusted in God's promises and lived a life that was pleasing to him, pleasing to God. And God blessed him because of that. And Isaac, just like us, faced challenge, faced dispute, 
faced things that he didn't agree with. But he didn't allow these things to, to shake his faith. But he just kept living. He kept loving. He kept being close to God. And then people noticed. Church, we're, we, we need to be different. We need to be set apart. We are chosen. We are a royal priesthood. The world needs Christians who are different. So church, I want to ask you this. How is God calling you to be different this year? In 2020, thank God is over. But there is still a lot of work to be done. So I want to challenge you this morning to focus, focus on living a life that is different. Different than those around us. To be a light in the midst of darkness. You guys with me? Amen. Church, we all need confidence. And we learned a lot today through the life of Isaac. To be confident, we know that we need to remember God's word. Remember God's promises. Number two, to be confident, we need to move and dig. That we need to acknowledge the setbacks God put before us. But to use it to propel us to move and dig and see that God is working for our good. And number three, to be confident, we need to be different. We need to see that we are different. That we serve a holy and powerful God and there's a confidence that comes from that. And because of that, we can be a light in a world full of darkness. But right now, I want to transition a little bit into uh, our time of communion. And how amazing it is that we can approach the throne of grace because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. I love this scripture in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? With confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We must remember that Jesus' blood ultimately gives us the greatest confidence we can ever ask for. That we can come before God with our sins completely washed away because of Jesus' blood, because of his sacrifice, because of his death, burial, and resurrection. Let's remember Jesus today. Amen, church? Let's bow our heads before we take the bread and take the cup. And let's pray. Father God, um, God, we come before you in confidence because of what Christ did on the cross. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us grace and mercy even though we don't deserve it. God, I ask that we can step into this new year with confidence. That we can trust in you and know that you have plans for our good. But God, most importantly, thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus' sacrifice. How he suffered for our sins. I pray that as we take this cup, as we eat this bread, that we can remember you and the ultimate sacrifice you paid. God, I love you. And I pray all these things in your son Jesus' holy name. Amen.